Hi, welcome to the Corner of Hope and Wellness with Carrie Hill. This week, I am trying a little something new, uh, which is called Tools for Your Toolbox. Don't worry, I will. I promise I will continue interviews with individuals telling stories of hope. But I also thought it might be interesting if we started to talk about some of the tools. Because the thing that I really love about this podcast is that I'm starting to notice the themes um, around what people use on the daily to create their resiliency um, and to help them just live in a place of wellness. And um, I hear community, connection, prayer, gratitude. I hear about nature, exercise, yoga. And one of the things that comes up a lot is meditation. And uh, recently I was back in the South Bay. I grew up in Manhattan beach, California, and I was talking to one of my dear friends and we were talking a little bit about our experiences with anxiety. And she asked a super valid question. She said, how can you meditate when you have anxiety? And so I started thinking about that along with when my friend Lynn Henninghausen, who is from episode one, shared that I had helped demystify some things for her related to meditating. And she had said to me, you should do an episode on meditation for everyday people. And so one of the biggest things that I can share is that my meditation practice is imperfect. And I will come back to that. But I wanted to share a little bit about how my consistent meditation practice came about. So that is to tell you also a little bit of the history of Carrie Hill. Um, So my mother was Catholic and my father was Jewish, but we weren't raised with any specific religion. And as a very young Carrie, my parents were Meribaba lovers, and I was surrounded by all kinds of magical individuals that they kept company with. We were around astrologers and palm readers and psychics and incredible creatives. And that was the energy that I really moved towards. I felt really connected to it. And ultimately, I think it really helped to shape me. And um, as a young person, my parents took my brother and I to Transcendental Meditation when I was about nine years old, and I received a mantra and I still use it. And I also put up a tiny sign on my bedroom door to let my family know I was meditating in my bedroom, my bedroom with my lime green shag carpet that my parents allowed me to pick out because there was no purple available at the time. (laughs) But anyways, from here on out, meditation kept drifting in and out of my life. And I kept thinking about the foundation of tools that I have received throughout my life. So my father also taught me about visualization at age 12. And uh, this was another tool that I used and I used it for sports when I was younger. And um, even during this time, I was still occasionally meditating in my preteens and and my teens. Um, But also, as I mentioned in episode 10, I had a therapist starting at age 15, and she taught me about affirmations as well as continued to work with me on visualization and guided meditations. And so I know there were many years where I would use meditation. This is going to sound weird, similar to how my eating disorder looked. 
I had bulimia nervosa, um, which means that I would binge and purge several times a day. And then at times I would also restrict and deprive myself of food for, for periods. And so I actually did meditation a little bit like my eating disorder. I'd meditate several times a day, and then it would completely fall off my radar for long periods as well. And I've always tended to be kind of an all in or all or nothing type of a person throughout my life anyway. But here's the great thing. Meditation was a part of my foundation. And it's something that I always return to because for me, it feels like home. And I think about after my teen years into my, my twenties, my college years and post-college years, I was married young. And even though that marriage was a shit storm, it was a period of time in my life where I completely threw myself into nature. So I had now moved from the beach to the desert. And so there was camping and hiking and rock climbing during that time. And it was literally my saving grace. And it was kind of like movement meditation for me. Okay. And at some point early in my relationship with my now husband, we started to pick up meditation together. He had this beautiful spirit in his life, Mary McWhorter, um, who had sittings in her dojo every weekend. And we would go there on Sundays and sit for meditation with a group of five or 10 individuals. And when I would leave, I would have several different reactions. Sometimes I would feel completely centered and serene. And sometimes I would feel meh. And then sometimes I would burst into tears because the anxiety of sitting quietly working to let go of my 1 million and four thoughts through the course of my sitting was too much. And typically it was the latter. So what's interesting is there was a period of time again, where I got caught up in my life and I didn't use this tool that I had, but about six years ago, I hit a huge dip of depression and was literally just unconsciously dragging myself through my life. And my husband, who has such a huge heart, and he just always wants to help or fix or solve things. And I remember him saying during this period, I just want my wife back. And in the midst of this time, he threw out a suggestion and uh, one of his daughters, Sipa, had just told him about Abraham Hicks and put simply, Abraham Hicks is a spiritual teacher. Um, and he asked me to just listen to one of their recordings. And he told me it was only five minutes. And I'm going to just tell you, if, for some of you who know this, um, or some of you who might not know this, depression, I always say the voice of depression lies to you. And when I'm experience, experiencing it, I really resent people who want to help me. Um, so with much resistance, I did listen. And he lied. It wasn't five minutes. It was 20 minutes. But I have to say it made sense. And my mood for that moment really shifted. And one of Abraham's main focal points is that you sit for 15 minutes a day and meditate. 
And really what meditation does is it just gives your brain a mini vacation. It's a complete reset. And so for the past six years, this has been my daily practice. Actually, it's been a daily practice for the two of us together. Um, And it's part of our morning routine. It's a ritual. And my guest, Lynn Henninghausen, had mentioned again that I had busted some of those myths around meditation for her. And I just wanted to share some of my insights. So when you hear about sitting down and meditating for daily practice, um, and you've been told there's so many benefits, I bet a lot of you think about making that perfect environment for your period of serenity. And that's how I envision it too. And, And once in a blue moon, I mean, really once in a blue moon, I can create that, you know, with the candles and pure silence and lavender essence, et cetera. And (laughs) I am grateful for that opportunity when I have it. And I'm a recovering perfectionist. And for a long time, I held tightly to this idea of waiting for the perfect moment and creating that perfect environment. But one of the things that I had to acknowledge is in my house and in my life, if I waited for that, there would be no meditation. And so it took me a long time to understand that the reason that they call it a practice is because it's a practice and life is messy and it doesn't stop. And when we sit down to meditate in the morning, sometimes the dogs bark for two of those 50, 15 minutes. And sometimes it's five of those 15 minutes. And sometimes I catch myself spending my entire sitting worrying or plotting out a conversation that I need to have with someone or feeling like I don't really have time to meditate. Or maybe you have a partner who is a drummer and unconsciously taps his feet throughout meditation. So these are opportunities to sit regardless of what is going on and let go of all that is around you. I kind of feel like I find myself in meditation and it feels a lot like Helen Slater in City Slickers, if you're old enough to remember that movie, when she's sitting on the mountain with a stampede of cows and horses and there's mayhem all over the place happening. And she is just sitting on her mountain and she's just staying in this meditative state because she's letting it go. Right. And that's the point is meditation can look different for everyone. So this is what I suggest. I suggest that you try some stuff out and I'm going to put a bunch of resources in the show notes. So please feel free to go take a look at them, try some stuff. Um, as I've mentioned in the past, I've reinvented myself a lot. And reinvention also means trying a lot of different things. And so I've tried many different types um, of practices and techniques, transcendental meditation, Nishran Buddhism, that's the Namyoho Renge Cho, uh, Vipassana, mindfulness, focused on or movement meditation. So there's also even a Headspace app, which is great for beginners. And I will put that in the show notes as well. Um, But this is what I want to share with you. And and especially for friends uh, like my girlfriend I was talking to um, back home is start slow, five minutes, maybe less, do it consistently. And as you feel less tension when you sit, add another minute, 
But here's the thing, you have to keep going, right? And it's a very small commitment, but it takes 21 days to develop a habit. So remember that. And I just wanted to let you know about my own practice is there are still days that just like I don't maybe want to go to the gym or go to work or show up for life. um, I have that feeling about meditation sometimes too, but I do. I show up because I know there is a long-term payoff. So here's what's been, I've gotten from meditation, less stress in my life, or at least I feel less stressed out. Um, I have more focus. Uh, It really helps my mental and emotional health stay in balance. It's lowered my impulsivity, my impulsive thoughts and my impulsive behaviors. And because of these things, it makes me a kinder and more compassionate person. And right now I feel like the world could use a lot of kindness and compassion on the daily. So here's the deal. I, I really hope that if you have been thinking about meditating or maybe you've been fearing it, um, I feel like I hope that the timing of my message to you gives you that aha moment and you can give it a try. And if you do, Drop me a line at carriehill.net or on my Corner of Hope and Wellness Instagram or Facebook page and let me know how it goes because I think it is such a great gift that you'll be able to give yourself. All right. So thank you so much for listening. Don't worry. Next week, we will be back to great conversations with everyday people. Okay. 